Hey everyone and welcome to this sponsored podcast from Ossert's 2014 conference. All of our coverage of the Ossert 2014 conference is brought to you by three terrific sponsors, FireEye, Datacom TSS and Arbor Networks. So big thank you to all of those companies uh, for helping us put together this podcast series. And in this sponsor podcast, we are chatting with Bryce Boland, the APAC CTO of FireEye. And, uh, you know, to FireEye's credit, they've burned a lot of people's O'Day in the last couple of years. Their kit is pretty good at spotting exploit-laden attachments uh, that you just won't pick up another way. Uh, just like Palo Alto delivered us, you know, next-generation firewalls and sort of revolutionised that market, uh, FireEye and similar technologies really do represent the next generation in anti-malware systems. So, you're an attacker. You've spent a bundle of money on your Acrobat O'Day. Uh, you put it in an attachment, you spearfish your target, and instead of getting a shell and some nice juicy access, you wind up spotting a FireEye press release a couple of days later. Sucks to be you. This is an experience that many attackers have actually had in the last couple of years. So, given the rise of technology that can actually spot some O'Day, do you risk throwing your latest and greatest exploits at a target that might actually detect it and nerf your exploit, rendering it completely useless? Well, Bryce Boland says uh, that attacker MOs are changing because of these technologies. They're getting a little bit paranoid. Some of these attackers are getting a little bit paranoid about their exploits being burned. So yeah, they're mixing it up a bit. So Bryce Boland, join me via Skype for this interview. What we've seen is a bit of a shift. We've seen uh, a shift in the amount of attacks that are going what we call down market, targeting smaller companies and using those smaller companies often as a bridge into some of the, the harder targets that have uh, more advanced uh, defenses. Now, so, that's an interesting well, idea, isn't it? The, the idea is, well, hang on, we've got this O'Day, but these guys have a decent security budget. They've got some kit that might actually catch it. Uh, you know, we might trigger their kit and then we lose our O'Day, so let's own their HVAC vendor instead. <laughs> for example, and uh, I think this is what we've been increasingly seeing, especially, you know, you see it in financial services, you see it in large organizations that, uh, increasingly outsourcing large parts of their value chain into a, a fairly broad supply chain. And that supply chain is often a lot weaker. They invest less in security, and often security is the last thing that's thought about when a company does uh, con produces a contract or produces an MSA with another vendor. And so breaking into that smaller company is a lot cheaper, and as a result, uh, attackers don't need to burn so much resource to gain access. And then they leverage stolen credentials to validly gain access into a target company. So really what you, you know, we're talking about secondary targeting, I guess here, but really what we're talking about is going after some sort of partner with poorer security controls who might have, uh, you know, privileged access on the target's system. No pun intended there with the word target, but it keeps springing to mind because this is, you know, this is the story we saw there. And this wasn't even anything particularly ad advanced. This was someone getting access to their whiz-bang e-business platform and then, you know, um, pivoting from there, right? So we've seen it before. Can you think of any other examples of, you know, that you will, you'll, you can anonymize or whatever of, of the same sort of thing happening? Uh, yeah, so in, in the financial services space, you see attacks quite often happening against some of their service providers. We've seen attacks against, for example, uh, in the case of criminals, not going after the card companies directly, but going after the companies that produce the statements or that mail out the uh, credit cards to companies. Uh, 
And this is a way for them to gain access to the same data, um, potentially through that data existing in that third party company or leveraging the credentials that third party company has to gain access to the data. Yeah, it's the, it's the second part there that I find interesting, right? I mean, because if you're going after a secondary target who might be printing that sort of material or whatever, they're, they're actually a primary target at that point because they're holding mm-hmm. the data. Uh, when it comes to privileged access, though, that becomes very... Uh, that becomes very tricky because I, I think you know there's a lot of a uh, lot of partners out there who do tend to have access into these old sort of poorly maintained systems that everyone tends to forget about because they're all built with you know big e-business enthusiasm around them uh, and then they you know they just sort of drift by the wayside of, they're still there right they're still full of uh, mostly SQL injections and web exploits so they're usually very easy to take advantage of from an attacker's perspective uh, the tools for that are uh, widespread and easily used. Um, yeah. so and, and it- I guess one of the big pains there is that, uh, you know, detecting attacks against that type of environment, I mean, you know, it's pretty hard when people are coming in with legit creds. What do, what do you recommend people do about that? Well, I think the key is, you know, good, uh, good security practices across the board. You should, if you're doing business with a, a smaller company, how do you know that their legitimate users are actually their users and not someone that's bypassed their access controls? How do you know that they've taken the same kind of uh, steps to ensure that their security is as good as the security you'd have in your own organization because you're essentially extending your security perimeter to a third party and if you haven't ensured that their controls are at least as good as yours then really what you've done is you've just created a very weak link in your security capability so i think the first thing is to understand what security uh, capabilities they have and monitor those to make sure that they are to the level that you expect and then subsequently to that, I think you need to look at behavior. You need to look at the behavior of code. You need to look at the behavior of people and the behavior of, of data and network connections. And most users um, follow a, a fairly standard pattern of behavior in their legitimate work. They come into work at a certain time in the morning, they do their job, and then they go home. Uh, attackers often will try to emulate that, but sometimes when they're attacking a smaller company, they know that it's not going to be monitored as closely. They can attack those companies uh, outside of the sort of the, the normal operating times, and I, that's I, I relative spot. I don't know if you remember, but there was a big, uh, you know, SCADA scare in America when there was some sort of facility. I think it was like a, you know, water treatment plant or something. And, uh, you know, they thought there'd been a break in from Russia, and it turned out it was actually one of their guys was, you know, on holidays in Russia and forgot to do something. So he's logged in, you know, using legit creds and all of a sudden that's triggered a whole bunch of alerts. I mean, doing that sort of behavioral analysis, I mean, it's it's kind of like what we all strive for, but it, it, it's very hard to do right. It's very expensive to do right as oh, well. Absolutely. It's very expensive. And I think one of the things is looking to raise the bar to, to just make the attack surface of your partners uh, commensurate with the attack surface you would have in your core business. And that, that's a difficult thing to do because it requires negotiating that upfront as part of the contract. And yeah, but for, I mean, you know, for many of your partners, they might not have the scale to be able to deliver, right? I mean, and that's been the sticking point. We've been talking about secondary targeting for years. But the fact is, you know, you might be going to some, you know, company that is smaller in scale, doesn't have the security resources. So, you know, you can enforce it in the contract and they can say, yeah, and agree. But at the end of the day, sometimes it's not always possible, is it? Absolutely, and I, I think it's it's key then to look at how you would segment and compartmentalize your business uh, and compartmentalize the risk that you have, the level of exposure. But as you note, you know most of those uh, arrangements involve uh, e-business portals, which are usually a fairly 
easy target from an attack perspective. They're a horror so, show, I think is what you're trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> I've not seen them done well very often. Uh, now, look, let's, let's just circle this whole thing back to the original premise of the conversation, which is, you know, uh, are these types of behavioral detection uh, uh, you know, deployments like FireEye, like some other kit, you know, are they actually causing headaches for attackers? You're seeing that they're moving down market. Do you think that's because detection methodologies and detection technologies are getting better? Well, what we've observed is in many of our customers, the attackers are finding uh, alternative ways to get in. And they're using uh, mobile attacks. They're trying to attack uh, through the mobile vector. They're trying to attack through third parties and spending more and more of their time finding alternative paths and trying to come in through the front door. Now, that's only with the companies that we're working with. What we sort of see more broadly is that attackers are actually able to bypass most of the legacy defenses, the signature-based uh, detection mechanisms, almost trivially now. And so in those organizations, they're not really changing their behavior. In other organizations, they're really going down market and looking for alternative attack methodologies. Mm. Well, I guess we get to say, yay, we made them own us differently. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least, at least that's forcing a, a change in their behavior, which is what you would like to achieve. I guess the challenge now is how can we raise the cost again for them so that they you know, have to really invest more money in their attacks to be successful. Well, if and, I had to guess, I'd say it's it's that you keep extending behavioral analysis. I mean, doing behavioral analysis on a host is a lot more a lot easier than doing it on a network or doing it, you know, in a virtual machine like you guys do. But I mean, if you could actually manage to proliferate that around about the place uh, and turn this into a commodity uh, technology, which it, it might actually get there, considering that you know signature based AV is pretty much dead. It, 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 is do you think it's conceivable that we're going to see behavioral based proper behavioral based uh, you know, host intrusion detection pretty much everywhere in like five to 10 years? Oh, absolutely. I think this becomes another uh, part of the overall arsenal in any good security strategy. And I think what we'll see is uh, it'll move into the infrastructure more. And I, I strongly believe that over time, it won't just be enterprises deploying this inside their enterprise. It will be consumers getting it as a service or a capability from their telco or ISP. It'll be small businesses also getting it delivered as a capability from their service provider. And increasingly, we'll also see it in cloud-based services. Uh, a lot of businesses today are conducting all of their email, uh, all their uh, web services, their data centers essentially in the cloud, but they still need to have that behavioral analysis uh, taking place on that traffic, even though it's not coming into their premises. So I think it is going to need to extend out more broadly and become more pervasive, and that will actually help with protection because it creates a network effect. When you see an attack for the first time in one place anywhere in the world, that information can then be distributed to all of those points of protection, increasing the, uh, the basically eliminating the opportunity for an attacker to use that somewhere else. And now that it isn't perfect, and I'm never going to say that it's perfect, but at least that can raise the cost for many types of attacks. Bryce Boland, that is all we're going to have time for. Thank you very much for joining us, and uh, thanks to FireEye for sponsoring Risky Business's coverage of OSSERT's 2014 conference. Thanks, mate. Thank you very much, Patrick.